podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Boxing Asylum listeners, Steve Wellings here with a crack panel. Hopefully you're all okay there out in the chat and nobody can go out tonight. So why not just sit at home, get pissed and listen to us talk shite for an hour or so? We're just testing out a glorious return to YouTube, having a little push and pull about on the cobble, see what works see what doesn't work. Uh, yes, so we've got a bad crowd in tonight then, consisting of Andy Patterson, Hater Dave Loback, Gabe Lewis and Ozzy Smith. Uh, yeah, keeping with the bar the bar theme then, Ozzy. What's your drink of choice tonight? What do you like having a tipple with you in Weatherspoons? Uh, you can smell the piss on the carpets, uh, a couple of slags coming up to you at the bar. What's your drink of choice, Ozzy? Oh, Heineken, mate, uh, as always. Uh, pint of Heineken always works well. Um, I'm not on that tonight, though. I've discovered um, a cheap lager coming from uh, Aldi called Saint Etienne. Four cans, two seventy nine, and it's four point eight percent. So I'm a big fan of that, uh, and it's just ticking me over nicely while the lockdown's in play. Um, <clears throat> picked up a crate as picked up a crate of Heineken. Uh, I think it was twelve bottles for seven quid. So I'll be tucking into that over the weekend as well. So I'd certainly say. Uh, Heineken is my, my preferred drink of choice when I'm out and about, um, closely followed by probably Stella as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Two, two strong lagers, which I'm a big fan of, but I urge all the uh, older listeners just to give a St Etienne a go. If you fancy a, just a, a night, four cans, 279, I, I ensure you won't go wrong. There you go, guys. Russell Sellers, Wine Mark, or whatever it is, Lidl, Aldi, go and get a drop of whatever Aussie is recommending there. No fights, though, please. Lee the Alcoholic Frotch says, great topic to start with. Andy, he's enjoying himself. Matthew Russell's there, says, vibrant chat of 10,000. 10,000. Piss on those numbers. There's at least 20,000 in the chat already. Absolutely buzzing, Andy. Message for the fans. What are you drinking tonight? A couple of cans of tenants and a... Uh, Treated myself to a nice wee bottle of single malt, old Pulteney, 12 year old, uh, born in the port of Wick, up in Caithness, up in the northeast of Scotland, and uh, matured over a very fine American oak, robust yet very smooth with a delicate hint of the sea air, and it quaffs like a motherfucker. Beautiful stuff. Quaffs like a motherfucker. American oak. Talking of American oak, our very own Texas hard man, Gabe Lewis, is here on the rocking chair, getting bladdered as we speak. The Texas rattlesnake himself. Hard How are you, man. Gabe? What are you drinking? A beer brewed in Texas. It's a, it's a home state thing. There's a beer called Shinerbach. Uh, they actually do a whole bunch of different uh, seasonal flavors and things of that nature, uh, but you can't go wrong with the original. If you're a fan of for what the states considers darker beer. Uh, of course, you know, most people here aren't really fans of, of that real bread in a can kind of shit. Um, but this is good. This is good stuff. It'll, it'll do you just fine. Um, but if you like anything that's a little bit different, they also have one that I tried. I try everything they put out, but they have one that's called Ruby Redbird. It is, uh, made with, uh, a bit of grapefruit grown in Texas as well, so it's it's pretty different, but it's uh, it's good stuff. So if you happen to find that anywhere, I would suggest picking that up. But I doubt it's outside of the states. There you go, a bit of craft beer recommendation from Gabe. There, sticking with the American theme, let's make America hate again. It's hater Dave Loback. How are you, Dave? What are you drinking? Uh, 
Painter Guinness. Indian Guinness. What was that impression, Dave? <laughs> it's clearly clearly my Irish accent. <laughs> Dave over there saying like I was raised in Wexford on the streets of Wexford. <laughs> like you need a bit of wind in the background, Dave. Just taking my dog out for a stroll, like <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a fisherman for Foxy. Make the point, Steve. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a cup of tea, Andy. I'm off the beer many, many years, as you know. Uh, cider, yeah. the old rocket fuel, shall no longer course through my veins. If if I were to go back to the booze, Andy, ready to smash this shit up, maybe do a bit of, bit of Billy Joe Saunders in the house, what would you recommend I get on to tonight? Oh, without doubt, you can get on the fire water, mate. Either the Stella, which will end up meeting me, beat up the wife and give her a mega shit in the morning, or <laughs> get on the whiskey. And they uh, just... Um, yeah, I just get up in the morning with a motherfucking hangover with the fear of all fears that you sit all day rattling. Uh, you get to the point where as you just know that a very ice-cold can, that first drop of nectar, just to handle and just get you through the day, the, fucking, the, the pain of that fucking hangover, it is tremendous. There's no there's no other cure like it known, apart from maybe adrenaline for, for a junkie or something like that, you know, whatever you call that shit. But uh, no, a cold can of lager when you're absolutely hungover, mate, that's what you go for. Andy, Street, Steve strikes me as more of a Carlsberg special brew type of thing, isn't it? Ooh. Kestrel. Oh, Kestrel. <laughs> yeah. You're Kestrel talking 8 9% of the Yeah, special brew. Yeah, I, I can see Steve uh, supping one of them or uh, like a bottle of vodka in a brown bag. I'll tell you a story. Like I was in Norway, right? Yeah, the wife's with Tromso, so it's way up by... Uh, like the Arctic Circle and that, and this uh, beer killer called uh, Ullahal, right? They've got this thing called Gold Gold Mac, basically Gold Lager, right? But it's a mixture between a heavy and a light lager, and it takes the percentage up to like 13.5%. So you get like these, these Steiners. I mean, my uncle, or the wife's uncle, went in there and had fucking three of these babies, by the way, in the middle of January, coming out on the streets. Fucking hell, dude, man. I was sliding all over the place like fucking Torval and Dean, up on my arse, up on my cunt, everything. Oh, what a fucking mess I was in. See, by the time I go back to the pizza house, the fucking jeans were soaking with snow on that, man. It was incredible. So you go up to the Olahan and Trump, so you got a good fucking 13.5% lager. What a lovely image. Thank you very much for that. Talking of lovely images, the boys are enjoying old, uh, it's not Smido, but it's uh, Bean in the corner. Just keeping a watchful eye over us. I always feel better when Bean's around, just to make sure we're behaving ourselves. Uh, there's no naughtiness, no funny business in the chat there. I see Ar Arlene Burley has joined us over from uh, Mixler. Also Matthew Russell, John O'Donovan. Shout out to Danny Young, Jim McDonald, Tosh Bailey, the alcoholic frotch. A few of the regular faces. Take Ames is in there as well. Going to have to span our Ames up if we continue on YouTube. It's looking good so far. Looking good indeed. Right, okay then, Ozzy. Uh, pull up a stool on the bar. One boxer sitting next to you for a couple of jars. Who would you pick? Uh, one boxer next to you on the old bar stool for an evening. Have a couple of beers with him. Who would you pick? I would go for Glenn McCrory. Can you imagine getting Glenn lathered up? The stories he would tell would be absolutely epic. Tommy's been there. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say, does it need to be a boxer? Because I was going to say McCrory's an obvious show. But uh, Ricky Hatton would have to be one without a doubt. I mean, we've all seen the videos of him, you know, uh, you know, in Benidorm, things like that, all tanked up and things. Um, but otherwise, I'd love to get fucking Frank Warren pissed up. 
because I bet he's got loads of stories. I bet he'd revel in some of the stuff he reveals. Um, and he, you never know, he may well reveal who actually shot him. Uh, but I reckon Frank's a big fan of the whiskey, <laughs> glamour <laughs> type of thing. Foxy. Fact. I reckon you, you get half a bottle of whiskey down in, and uh, the, the name would, re- would be revealed. Oh, Frank, then Andy, what do you reckon? One up on Frank, couple of shots with Frank at the bar for Aussie, then oh, who are you going for? Well, it was no aftershock, man. Uh, no, be, for me, it need to be Roberto Duran, man, because um, if you read some of the stories and stuff about him, you know, for example, when he was training for the Kitlin Lang fight, right? Rumour had it, or according to Larry Holmes at least, who had a pub in uh, Pennsylvania, he was in the fucking bar three weeks before the fight, doused himself with like vodka, like fucking like 40 proof, 60 proof and stuff. Um, there was one story as well as about Duran, right? He's apparently in bed with this woman this night. He's getting into the business, right? And she starts having a fucking, you know, a panic attack of sort. But he thought it was because of his, like, he was, like, sensational in bed. And what it was, it was because she was taking a whitey. She was stoned, eh? And he took offence to this and that because it was, like, a slur on his machismo. So he fucking kicked her out and that, eh? He was fucking raging about it. So I think, um, you know, plus you've, you've heard the story as well. He's been in the UK, seen that story about the... Was it was a bit the horse or something like that? He burst out laughing about. Anki, Anki, be a fucking re- funny bastard to drink me. Uh, to drink me. I've seen like some of his uh, documentaries and that. He's he's in the he's in the clubs playing pool, drinking the beers and stuff. So I like to kind of fly to Panama one day with a bottle of whiskey, a chappy's door, and say, let's, let's quaff a few and let's watch uh, some of your favourite fights. That's what I'd be doing. Eh? Hey, we've got Roberto at the bar. Then Ricky Hatton, Glenn McCrory. What do you reckon, Gabe? What are bars like in Texas? Many I imagine like bar fights and you boys laying down the old holster on the pool table and you know through the sal the saloon. I nearly said salon door, maybe maybe saloon door would be more appropriate. Who who's going for a booze with you, Gabe? Uh hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know, but as soon as you asked the question, I thought of I thought of of Donnie's uh little avatar picture here, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal his thunder. Um I would say I've done it. Uh, I've thought about it. I can't come to a decision. Uh... <laughs> Hector Camacho. Hector yeah, Camacho. Camacho. Well, I mean, if he were still alive, I suppose that's a good choice. Are we talking about only living people? Well, I mean, you can dig somebody up if you want to. Why not? We're going to say they want to look at the conversation if they're uh, a corpse, Gabe, will we? I tell you, I tell you I'll give you one, uh, Gabe. Nigel Ben, if you read his book and that about this orgy he attended at this big, massive, wealthy millionaire's mansion and stuff, you <laughs> True story. <laughs> it reminds me of the story Aaron told that time about... Oh, him and Ali. Yeah, yeah, him and Ali after the thrill in Manila. They went outside and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning or some shit. And they went and they had like a like a week long orgy or something like that is what he was saying in an interview. I think um, I think they did a did a impersonation of him whenever that that interview came out. But that was a good one. Uh, yeah, Lee came up with with Edwin Valero. That's a good. Yeah, call. I was thinking that Gabe Edwin. Oh man, yeah. I imagine that was a real rager. I don't know. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on 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 uh uh dave and i'm gonna go with ricardo Mayor too i mean it couldn't get any better fun than that i mean that's the classic pick and if you went and got smashed with mayor 
There ain't no telling where the fuck you'd ended up and what the fuck you'd have done. I was going to say, man, would you last a distance with Mallorca? I mean, I've I've been in some sh- absolute despicable shapes, like, but I think I could last with Mallorca. Like, if I can last Belfast, Steve, surely I can mm. last with Mallorca. I doubt it. I don't think anybody could. That son of a bitch is mad. Okay, hey, to Dave, what about you? Here's a scenario for you then, Dave. You've had a couple of beers with Edwin Valero. He's got a bit rowdy. He's run up a big $200, $300 bar tab, and then he says, right, fuck this, I'm off out of here. He's away. He's not going to pay a penny. Do you run out and confront him in the car park, Dave, or do you just get your checkbook out and let that motherfucker go? Well, I have a gun, so I can stop him um, if if need be. Um, But... I'm not really looking to kill anybody. Of course, Don King would be about the same thing. Both guys have a body count of two, uh, allegedly. I was thinking Bob Arum. You guys mentioned him already. He would be my drinking pal. Um, I know he'd prefer probably the weed, um, but if you could get him drunk, maybe you could get him off his game, get him to admit to you some of the bullshit. From I mean, the guy's had a, a career that spanned decades and decades and decades, so I, I would have to pick the Bob father and, and get some of those secrets from, from the, from the heyday with, with Tommy Hearns um, to Manny Pacquiao. Like you could, you could ask about anybody. Good stuff, boys. Let us move on then. This is a topic of interest, Andy, which I know we were talking about off air. Richie Garner, friend of the pod at Richie shadow over on Twitter was commenting earlier. He says yesterday got me thinking people were asking about my favorite fights. I respect all fighters, but let's be honest, some seem to be just horrible people. So what fights were the most satisfying to watch? Which left you with a smile on your face Ooh. after some douche got schooled? Now, Richie's thrown in a couple, Andy, one of which I'm sure will be right up on your list. If I'll get you started. Hamed versus Barrera. He also threw in Herbie Hyde against Riddick Bow. Didn't really have anything against Hyde, to be honest, and I was a big Bow fan, so I'll let that one slide. But his middle one, Andy, Adrian Broner against yes. Marcus Maidana. Uh-huh. This is interesting to you. Oh, without doubt, as I say, is that, that happened just roughly around about the Christmas period, I'm sure. And um, I remember, as I say, I was hungover. I, late, I waited up a whole night for that fight. And um, I remember I had to take my, uh, my grandmother and the wife. Uh, what year was that again, that fight? Uh, 12, was it? Would it, would it 12, be 12? 14, I, I don't know. I can't remember. I need to double-check that, but I think my, so have, my daughter would have been born by that point. I think she might have been a wee, a wee nipper, but it was... Uh, one of these days, I, I, I'm one of these guys, when I go shopping with a the, with the woman, I fucking hate life. But that day, I went shopping blissfully happy and smiled on my face. And all I had to think about was we A.B. getting sent home to think again. It was tremendous. And I watched Bernard Hopkins actually kind of break down some truths, actually, after that fight. by saying that fight with my dana actually took three fights out of him. And if you look at his career after that, by the way, it's, it's a fair assessment. Absolute fair assessment that Hopkins came out with because he's never been the same fighter. Um, number two, well, I'm not going to put him in any order, but I certainly that one, I, I'm, I'm going to go off recent memory, recent kind of era, the last few years mm-hmm. now. So I'm going to go um, uh, Joshua against Ruiz. Um, it was the cause of one of the best podcasts in many a, many a week. When they, I remember because we were due to go live on a Sunday and YouTube and mix, or Hangouts took a shit on us. That's right. And they, uh, to be honest, I think it there is a lot of good because the lot of information started coming out about what happened or the aftermath. So that extra day maybe actually gave us a wee bit kind of a wee bit more kind of breather, chance to kind of take it all in, sample it, rewatch it, break it down, and uh, deliver the podcast. And it was uh, it was great. And that uh, that intro was 
fantastic, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just we tried to remain kind of calm and that, but it just uh, everything just broke down into absolute laughter. And uh, it was again, again, it was nothing against Joshua as such. It was mainly against the the people behind them and the sycophants and stuff. Because it, it just, we'll just leave it at that. Number three. Um, recent history. I'm I'm gonna say there's a couple. I mean, there's Josh Taylor against O'Hara Davis. That was a great humbling. I was mm-hmm. there live, just bamming up Eddie Hearn and his crew and stuff like that. It was fucking brilliant. My mate on security doing his business for me as well to fucking bam him up as well. Um, but I'm going to say George Groves humbling James DeGale to, to to some sort of, because it was a fight both didn't need to take at the time. Uh, one was Cornwall champ, one was British champ. I think they only had like something between like nine and ten fights respectively, whatever it was. And uh, again, it was a fight that didn't need, need to happen at that point. Very close. And uh, to me, I was, I, I like Groves' wit. I like his, you know, like off, you know, out of the ring. I like his wit. I like his kind of dry sense of humour and stuff. I, I find him quite interesting to some sort of degree. So I thought I'm, you know, verbally going up against the Gale on ringside, um, taking the abuse, coming back with his own shit and that, and then winning the fight. Uh, to me, was 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 pretty sweet and gave me a smile as well. Um, a shout out to Amir Khan against Maidana as well because um, I did think he was going to get iced in that fight and. When he got chinned in the tenth, and he uh, came out the other side of it, still fighting, still on his feet and stuff like that, so he's fair fucked, he's fair fucked, he mate. Eh? But no, that's what that'll be my my three at the minute. Just in recent memory, um, would be the ones Barrera Barrera against Hamid as well. Cause I wasn't a real big fan of Hamid. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Eubank Barrera as well. was the hardcore favourite as well, wasn't he? A lot of people was, didn't know Hamid over here. It was another thing as well as um, I liked Eubank getting somewhat humbled against Thompson. Um, Steve Collins, because when I watched Steve Collins fight, you know, even as, as, as a kid, as I was in it, I think even then I could have done it. Was, it was a close fight. But to see him actually getting handled and beaten and battered and beaten up was good to see against Thompson. But in the end, he also won the respect, I think, of the, his haters and his hardcore, you know, haters as well I suppose, because he stood in there, went up two divisions to Cruiserweight, fought a beast and put up a marvellous, I can't even drop Thompson in that first fight, put up a marvellous performance but um, in the end, just he was just too small, well not too small, but you know, way past his prime and beating up and stuff like that but, you know, so that would be my top three yeah, a couple of things. I meant and a lot of people uh, weren't giving Barrera a chance. He was the hardcore favourite. Also, Brona Maidana. I said, was it was it 2002 or 2004? Well, I was nearly there. It was, two, uh, sorry, 2012 or 2014. It was actually 2013. So I was, I was getting closer by the second, but not quite good enough. But Andy, you're right about DeGale. It's humbling. A lot of people enjoyed that uh, for the yeah. ringside as well. But also early on. He, he, was away and then... he was booed, wasn't he? His first few yeah. fights. He fought in Belfast on his second fight. Well, and I've mentioned this before. And he was booed to the ring. Yeah, but I was going to say as well, is he actually, I remember um, uh, Ricky Burns, he was fighting, was it Lareja? I think it was on the Brayhead card. It was the, the time of the bad winter. I came doing the chicken pox, actually. And DeGale ended up fighting on that card in Glasgow. And it wasn't his sold out or anything like that. And he got booed then. He went away on the road, done his business, won a European title, defended it on the road, came back home, went away, won his world title and stuff. So at the end of the day, I gave him, I ended up respecting him because he did it the hard way. Went away on the road and stuff. But there was, I don't know if you remember, Steve, there was a moment, I forget what fight it was, but it was sitting ringside at a British show. And 
the cameras pan to him during like a minute segment between rounds and stuff, and the whole arena just got up and gave him a round of applause. And he's looking at him like, ah, he's seen his mate. They, they applauded me. Me, me. Is, yeah, that, yeah. is that me you're talking about there? Yeah, so yeah. it was like a kind of full circle moment. You know what I mean? It was good to see. Yeah. It was, it was good to see. Uh, one I'm going to throw in just before we bring in Ozzy, actually, is Audley Harrison. I don't mind how he forced now, but at the time, he got the BBC contract. He'd got the big million for 10 fights. He fought absolute shit on the BBC. Uh, 2004, he went in against an undefeated Dutch guy, Richel Hersissia, for the WBF title. He then beat Julius Francis, Thomas Bonin, went over to America with his tail between his legs, didn't want to appeared like he didn't, he didn't want to fight Danny Williams. And when he returned back to British Shores in 2005, got beaten by Danny Williams in a pretty poor fight, actually. He wasn't very good at all, Harrison, that night. I think it was on ITV. And um, people were, were gunning for Harrison to lose, myself included. I was actually pleased to see him lose. Like I say, I don't mind him now, but at the time, I was glad to see Danny Williams pull, it, pull, pull one off on him. And then he went after that, according to Boxrec, which I'd forgotten about, and was upturned by Dominic Gwynn as well. So A4 was going through a bit of a rough time then. I was pleased to see that. Ozzy, we know there's one definitely on your mind straight off the bat. Yeah, I replied to this question before, and it has to be Scott Fitzgerald beating Anthony Fowler. Uh, I think that final round... Totally when, hated that, mate. Yeah, when Fowler got dropped, um, I think Scott Fitzgerald united boxing Twitter that night. Everybody was buzzing with it. Uh, and still to this day, despite Fitzgerald's misdemeanours outside the ring, um, he's still very much appreciated uh, inside the ring for the job he did on Anthony Fowler. Um, one that people probably won't remember, uh, from my perspective, was a f I was ringside for it. Uh, it was part of an undercard, and it was Mitchell Smith against George Jupp. Now, Mitchell Smith abused George Jupp personally, Um a bang out of order, to be honest. Um, Jupp came across a really decent lad um, just there. Essentially, there was a bit of history between them. Anyway, Smith was, you know, one of one of the rising prospects. Just abused Jupp left, right and centre. Anyway, uh, he got beat um, comfortably as well. So from, from my perspective, I, I was more than happy to see that. I thought Mitchell Smith came across a real prick. Um, bang out of order, so to see him lose his undefeated record, I was more than happy with that. Um, and we all know what Smith went on to do in the ring, and that was fuck all as he got banged up um, for doing all sorts of stuff outside the ring. Uh, Got to throw in Prince Patel, um, without a doubt. Prince Patel gives it the big I am, goes on the road, fights all sorts of tin cans in fucking Budapest. Uh, the Czech Republic, Poland, winning all sorts of these bogus belts. Gets a show. Was it in the South? Was it in Saudi Arabia on the Amir Khan on the card? And then gets schooled by uh, some essentially relatively unknown sort of opponent, and then decides to play the blame game once again. Uh, I'm trying to think from Echo Andy's thoughts on the the Joshua Ruiz one. Uh, watched that fight back quite a few times now. Um, and one for me would be Billy Joe Saunders beating uh, Chris Eubank Jr. as well. Um, never liked the way Chris Eubank Jr. has come across. Um, I've warmed to him a little bit now, but particularly back in, in the time from where he was just essentially loud-mouthed. Again, hadn't fought anybody. Uh, and Saunders, for me, 
didn't took him to school for half the fight, and then Eubank Jr. certainly came back into it. Uh, but that was another pleasing one for me as well. Moving on to the boys, then I'm going to throw one in. This is uh, one that some of the guys might not remember. Anthony Small, Sugar Ray Clay Jones Jr. He was like the Prince Patel of his day. He actually had talent. He'd beaten up Matthew Hall. He yeah, looked like I a good that. fighter. And it was Sam Webb, I believe, off the top of my head, that beat him on points. And then he got iced by Bradley Price, which was glorious. Oh, fucking. He came up with this. Was it? Oh, what was his eyes? Um... What was his acronyms again? Or his nicknames? Yeah, Sugar Ray like, Clay Jones. Sugar, that's it, Sugar Ray Clay. Him, I remember um, the, uh, the web fight. I remember that one clearly. Sorry, no, sorry, the, the whole fight. I remember that one clearly because he, he, I remember the way and he was mouthing off to him. He was going to do this to him, going to do that to him. Absolutely kind of, and he did do it. He ended up stopping him, I believe. I think that was in the, the Can Catelnick card, I'm sure. Uh, McDonough. Yeah. Yes, yes, I think it was. Sorry, yeah, I think it was. And uh, Sam Webb, I think it was a decent British champion back in the day. And I always remember me reminding me of Stevie Naismith the way he looked and stuff. But to see him uh, fucking beat him, actually, I know it was a kind of you know, funny scorecards, was I know Steve as well in that fight by, by one judge. But uh, in the end, it was good to see him fucking not just lose his title, but in the end, lose his mind, his money, his cars, and almost, well, in the end, his fucking passport as well. Because he wanted to go and be a, be a jihadi, didn't he? He got radicalised, didn't he? Yeah. Something tells me that Hall fight was open air or something, so it might have been on, was it, it was, possibly Mitchell no, Capedis sure, or something? I'm sure it was at the MEN, mate. Um, right. The can fight was, was on the same bill, I'm sure. You're absolutely right, Andy. Yep, you're quite correct. Was it the MEN, I? Yep, was. It was Khan Katelnik, yep. Right. Okay, good performance by Khan that night, actually. It was punch perfect. Excellent, he was, yeah. Could tell him they could beat Madonna as well previously. Right, uh, Gabe, who are you going for? You can name one, two, three, four, five if you want. Uh, who have you enjoyed seeing get humbled? Uh, the first one was uh, Nanito Donaire. I, I've always, and this is a constant topic, it just comes up, I just don't like this guy. I mean, as far as a fighter, but he always has some stupid-ass shit to say. Like, he just always had some kind of nonsense to pop off with. And um, he went on that stretch where he devastatingly destroyed Fernando Montiel. I mean, he left a dent inside of Montiel's head uh, on an HBO card. And this was back in what? what uh, Frightening, by the way. That's about 08, 07. No, but earlier than that, Gib. You sure? I'll double check that for you now. Give me a second. I'm sure it was a bit earlier than that. I'm, I'm writing like 08 or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. But he, he, he fought Fernando Montiel. He was a solid fighter. 2011. The record at that point, maybe a couple losses. Uh, then he went on to be, uh, uh, stay hidden, never fight anybody worth the shit, Omar Narvaez, who, you know, I haven't seen much of his career because, like I said, he was always hiding from fighting real opponents. He had an overinflated record, which was, man. And then he uh, almost lost to Wilfredo Vasquez Jr., and then he beat uh, Jeffrey Matabula on an HBO card. And then he had Toshiaka Nishioka. And then he had Jorge, Ar Jorge Arce, which he was way past. He should have been in that goddamn fight. Um, but, you know, he goes on a great stretch. And then he finally runs into Rickendale. And I'm sure he thought, just like many of the people who were, were picking in that fight, thought he was going to beat Rickendale. And... Um, and he got outclassed 
his box off, he got made to look a fool. And I loved every second of it, especially after the Fighter of the Year award for, what, two decent fights, uh, one against the overrated Vasquez, and and Matabula had a good record, but coming from, from I believe, South Africa. You know what I mean? Like, I just never understood why people were giving him so much credit. I mean, he had a good run. It was a good run. Uh, the opponents had decent records and good records, but that was one. Uh, also, huge Barrera fan, so, I, of course, I loved uh, one Andy mentioned, uh, uh, Prince Hamed. Uh, I, I'm not a anti-Hamed guy. Um, I don't necessarily go back and watch any of his stuff again, but that was a classic show. Uh, Hamed was cocky and arrogant, and I think that's what kind of made some people like him, you know, um, and seeing him get kind of shut down and put put in his place was was really fun, especially because it was one of my favorite guys. Uh, I felt like Morales getting beat by Barrera, um, possibly the first fight. Uh, that wasn't really a douchebag getting humbled, though, was it? Well, okay, maybe that was a little bit too far, but I always thought he was a cocky guy, so seeing him lose that fight, so maybe not douchebag. Maybe none of the guys I've mentioned are really douches. I guess I shouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, you so guys much hate, so much hate in that heart. Say again. You're a man with a lot of hate in your heart, Gabe. No, no. I, I'm just saying these are fights that I enjoyed where I enjoyed watching somebody get, get beat, get humbled, maybe a little bit. Um, I can't think of any tremendous ones. I mean, you guys have already cut called the – the big ones with Boner and Madonna and and the Prince and Barrera. I mean, those were two pretty big ones. I thought I'd come up across another one that I that I can think of off the top of my head with like someone that's just a really huge jackass. U- Uzik Bellew. Ah, it- yeah. Well, well. After Bellew, uh, watched that recently, by the way. After Bellew um, showed off in that ring, leaning against the ropes, encouraging him on, and look at the position he ended up in. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that I remember that great. actually. Uh, it was. Uh, it was tremendous. Just because, as you see, I he was. He was preening. He was. He was. I remember he landed the right hand, and he was like, "Come on!" And everything he threw that looked like it landed, the crowd were like buzzing about it. But then gradually, as it wore on, there was no well, what sound. About, what about Kessler beating Frotch in Denmark? That was a good fight. It was a good fight. Very <laughs> close fight. Kessler had a bad cut as well, but um, if you're talking Kessler, and that, I would. I would say um, when the night he beat a. Manny Sitcher and he heard um, the fucking Danish commentary going on Mikael Kessler is the fucking champion of the <laughs> world oh and the Manny Sitcher fight yeah that's right yeah. he's the fucking champion of the world so he's actually talking in Danish right and he, I can't remember what he's saying he's like and then his pal was like, oh, Mikael, man. Mikael, man. <laughs> it, was, it was actually part of your intro on the old show, and that, on, on the old intro of the fucking show. It was brilliant. So the guy's like gone mental and Mikael Kessler is the champion of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. Oh, fuck. It was only the WBA title as well. Know, <laughs> There's no need but, to get so excited. <laughs> but, oh, hey, that's been the title meant something, though. Jesus Christ. Denmark, know, that. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, Gabe, have you got any more to throw in before we move on? Um, no, I think that's it. I think you guys have covered, like, my favourite ones anyway. 
Okay, the chat are throwing in a few as well. Lee, the alcoholic frotch says, can't believe nobody mentioned Ward, embarrassing the contradiction yet. I'm going to stick up for the contradiction shortly. Oh, actually. I was going to say that. I've been called out this week on the contradiction. Kovalev versus Cleverly was thrown in by Fox B. Uh, Tosh says honourable mention to Stevenson versus Bellew. That that was up there with Usyk for me because he completely shit the bed against Stevenson, didn't he? Mm. Uh, and that fight was erased from memory. Gavosdik beating up Stevenson as well. Yeah, that one's a bit um, a bit contentious there, Lee, the alcoholic frotch. No signs of Jason Chukwu yet. We will let you know if he turns up. If Chukwu appears, Dave, you'll be the first to know. Who do you want to throw in there? Um, I was going to say Vazdek knocking out Stevenson into a coma. That was something that you felt a little weird about it because, you know, he does have a family, um, but he's also like a terrible person and he had that coming for so long Um, and he's woken up. So whatever, like can go back and look at that and watch him get iced and and enjoy it. Um, Another one is Bernard Hopkins against Antonio Tarver. I think that was right after he had knocked out Jones. Tarver was like in love with his power. I think he predicted a knockout in three rounds. He was extremely arrogant and he got totally schooled. Uh, it wasn't like a super entertaining fight, but it was just funny to watch him like get totally exposed. Is not that great of a boxer at all. Plus to see uh, Hopkins sort of conquer the conqueror of his old rival Jones. Um, we'll just forget about that Roy Jones rematch. Yeah, uh, please, fuck, fuck. And then my most favorite of all time in history is uh, Ali Frazier 1. Uh, Ali, I mean, he's a great fighter, legend. Uh, you can't take away what he did in the ring. Uh, but for a lot of the time, he was an absolute cunt outside of the ring. And it, Thank you, Dave. He was and, a fucking asshole. And the way he treated Joe was terrible. Yeah, and, and a racist at times, too. So you you should watch uh, the the documentary just called Thriller in Manila about yeah, the way he acted. Um, but yeah, so that one where Joe just manhandled him for most of fifteen rounds, and of course credit to Ali, he took that ass whooping like a man. He got up from that brutal left hook in the fifteenth round, but uh, that's one. Yeah, of but he he always maintained that he won the fight because Fraser spent like a week in the hospital and he'd only spent the night in there, and his face wasn't as badly damaged. But Fraser's was not that sort of stuff. Well, Frazier fought that fight with one eye, by the way, as well. You think about it. You know, he lost his he lost the sight in one eye. Was it 67, 68 or something? Yeah, like half of his career was with one eye because he a yeah. steel bag hit it. Yeah. That you all done, David? Yeah. Rapping Rob Kelly was around. He seems to have dropped off at the moment. We'll chuck him back on. Let's see if we can get him on now, actually. Add to the stream. Rapping Rob Kelly, are you there? Can you hear me, sir? How am I? Can you hear me, yeah? Can you hear you just about there, Rob? We're talking about great humblings uh, from the Twitter earlier. Great humblings. Brona Madonna has been thrown in. Hello, hello. Hello. Hello, we are. <laughs> well, speaking of big humblings, um, <laughs> uh, in memory, um, I suppose I think you've covered it. Obviously, got Bruno and Madonna in there, haven't you? One of the one of the best ones ever. Um, me and the old lad watched that one together. Actually, probably one of the last fights we watched together. Um, fucking, uh, uh, you know, an uh, overnight job, like absolutely brilliant. Um, Pereira and the Prince. Um, 
programs was humble, like really humble. I suppose you can can you say Jeff Lacey? I suppose they love talking about Jeff Lacey. Can you say well, what about what about Morales against Pacquiao? Oh, the third yeah. fight when he kind of sat there and he shook his head because he's like, yeah. nah, can't, like, nah, I can't handle this. this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, fuck this shit. And I remember, I remember not feeling too sympathetic for him because remember he stood over somebody. Yeah, it was got, got you a spy. It was got you a spy days or something like that, or something along yeah, lines. Particularly nasty that night, like when he stood over him after fucking hammering him uh, and, and got his picture him, taken so. in that. Yeah, yeah, I am humbled. I suppose Fraser humbled Ali, didn't he? Like that was one of the fucking biggest humblings of all time. Like wasn't it in the in the with the first loss, even though it was a close fight. Um, that was such a grudge match, like for Ali to. Well, he didn't humble him obviously because he fucking he kept the, he kept his persona, but that, a lot of people would have viewed it as that. Like, um, it's hard to pick one off the top of the head, really. Do you know what I mean? Um, fucking the thing about Hamid and Brera. I mean, Hamid and at the time for me grew into uh, a world-class fighter and a world-class champion because I didn't believe the hype at the time when I saw it. I was doing the old eye test. Like, and I know people look back at the highlights and they think a lot of it's very flashy from Hammond and he was so gifted and his unorthodox style, uncoachable in the English style. But a lot of time he's fighting fucking literally postman. Like he won his world title off literally a postman who'd won it himself on 24 hours notice. And the WBO title was not highly regarded at that stage of the 90s. It just wasn't. It's easy looking back now to say, call this guy world champ, that guy world champ. But if you had a WBO championship in the 1990s, many people didn't even consider you a world champion, especially in the States. It was a Frank Warren, uh, it was a Frank Warren belt back then. Like so he did grow into it, beating like guys guys like Augie Sanchez. Um I think there was a prize. There was then the win over Kevin Kelly was brilliant. He took uh, Wayne McCall. Victor Polo. So his last yeah. fight, Victor Polo. Yeah, and, and and what you call it took away McCullough took him the distance. But you know, yeah. Kevin Kelly fight was an absolute classic humdinger of a fight, whatever you think or whatever your opinions are on Hamid. And then Barrera against Barrera, he just came up short against for me, one of the best featherweights of all time. So um I think Morales would have handled him handled him as well. Floyd, Pacquiao probably would have beaten him as well in and around that time. But uh, still a great champion and very exciting to watch. But that was definitely a humbling for sure. Especially if you watch the doc. We've talked about it numerous times on the pod. The way he was carrying on. Like, forget about him in the ring. His persona out the ring was fucking completely unbearable. For me, anyway. Like, going around wanting the fucking suite. And, uh, and wanting the, president, the presidential suite in the fucking... Wherever he was staying in Bellagio in Vegas. Like, just not the... Hadn't got his eye on the prize at all. Way more concerned with uh, talking to Michael Buffer about his ring entrance and stuff like that. And then... Bernier is just training up in Big Bear, just waiting on his time, like, and uh, took it with both hands. So that was a good one, but I can't think of any others off the top, dude. Which one, Andy, were you throwing in for Victor Polo there? Was any off, isn't it? No, but, you know, Rob was, was talking about his list of opponents. Was there no guy called Victor Polo that he fought? Or was that his last fight? No, it was Cesar Aye, Naz, aye. No, it was Manuel Calvo he fought last, wasn't Calvo, it? Calvo, right, okay. Yeah, Victor Polo fought uh, Scott Harrison, led him a merry dance, didn't ah, he, for the WBO, that's, do you remember? That's, yeah, that's, that's who, I can't mean how that got in my yeah. head, but must because that Wayne McCulloch fight, that no happened, that didn't happen in Scotland, because that was who it was, it was fucking Harrison fought McCulloch. Yeah. That's Coming on weight for Super Bantam that's what it was, I was, my mind got... Uh, Hey to Dave, one of the guys in the chat was mentioning Roy Jones against Antonio Tarver. Obviously, Jones beat him the first time. The rematch was one hell of a left hand, knocked him out. 
Jones, you couldn't mention the first Montel Griffin one, even though Jones was struggling comparatively to some of the other defences. It wasn't a humbling because he hit him while he was down and then they had the rematch and he absolutely banged him away. But Tarver and then obviously Glenn Johnson, it really did humble Jones. He was such a talented guy, Dave. But, but I mean, he was just knocked out cold. To see him knocked out cold, he was completely humbled. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't really a hardcore at the time. Um, I remember playing Fight Night 3, and Jones was always fucking annoying to fight against because he was so damn, like, his stats were so high. Um, so he's a pain in the ass, and when he got iced by Tarver, I was like, oh, that's nice. It's nice to know that everybody's beatable. But I wasn't really clued in on all the, you know, behind-the-scenes drama. The, the fact is, though, he did, I think, he he did he did have it coming in, in many ways because – I, I like and respect Jones in a lot of ways, but he fought, he feasted on so many low level guys and maybe it wasn't all his fault. Um, and he did, he did deal with them in like phenomenal style, like the Glenn Kelly knockout. Um, a lot of guys don't handle their, um, their bum of the month in such fantastic style, but it, it's, it was sort of like awake an awakening. Like this guy can actually fight. And now you're iced on the, on the canvas. Yeah, I think one of the problems, Andy, with that, just speaking off the top of my head, because I was watching Roy Jones against John Ruiz there during the week. He absolutely mm-hmm. schooled Ruiz. He came down too quickly, didn't he, in six yeah. months, tried to take off that pure muscle, looked like shit against Tarva. I thought he slightly won the first fight, and then, of course, the infamous second one. Uh, what is it, Jane? He says, you got any questions, guys? And Tarva's like, what's your excuse going to be tonight, Roy? Well, he didn't need any excuses for mm-hmm. Tarva banged him out in the second round. Yeah, it was a bad knockout, and I think he'd no fight Glenn Johnson right off the back of that, that yep. knock, and he got badly iced in that fight and as always remember Manny Stewart saying you know when you get you get knocked out like that back to back it can you know basically leave you know you know prime damage brain damage Jones would be what 34 35 at that time and obviously you know it was the downward slide his peak but as it says he could never take a shot properly like ever since and obviously had the weak kind of come back Aggie and just went on too long but um I think they don't hang about trying to get the Tyson fight and then they had to strip 25 pounds off coming with Hartman Tyson again. They don't get banned or they get jailed or something like that. That was That'll close be to being made apparently as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Andy? it was. I, I need to go and double check the reason as to what happened with that again. But um, when the fight didn't happen, you know, he's like, oh shit, I need to take the weight off. But I don't know why. The reason is why he had to take the, the Tarver rematch. I, I can't I can't remember. It was, was it mandated? Um, yeah, he went. He had to. The match was ordered, wasn't it? After the was it ordered for one of the titles, wasn't it? I can't remember if it was IBF or not, Rob. But he he made career suicide, like you said, got taken off for twenty five pounds. Twenty five pounds of muscle. He put on. He stacked on weight to go up, and he. I thought he was phenomenal against Ruiz. By the way, I think like even that performance for for a guy like he's fucking started at fifty four to get up there. And I know John Ruiz was, was the it, best. Was it Peds? I think it was Peds. Maggie Shieldstone, so draw your own conclusions. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Um, but, you know, I think at that time, fucking the whole heavyweight division, pick up dog, fuck. Um, the whole whole heavyweight division was probably literally paid at the time. And I, I think the, didn't Jones gets st- done for some over-the-counter stuff, so I'm not Criminally clear. sure. But I remember so being devastated no, when, he got, when he got knocked down off of fucking, um, when he got <laughs> knocked out off Tarver. And after the second one, it was over. And I remember it actually had a, had a rubber match with, with Tarver. And you're talking about humblings. You had Roy Jones say afterwards, ah, well, I thought I did better in that fight than I did in the 
in the second one or in the first one, so I took him the distance. You know what I mean? It was like it's Roy Jones is fucking giving himself credit for doing better against a guy like fucking Tyler. Like, you know, no disrespect to Tyler, he's a great light heavyweight, but um, yeah, it was tough. It was tough for Jones, and it was never the same. He should have retired after the Ruiz fight. I always said if he'd have retired after the Ruiz fight, I think he would have been 49 and 1 with the Montel Griffin being the only blemish on his record, and it'd be hard to argue against him being the greatest of all time. He'd have quit then. It's just goes to show you, doesn't it? Like, you've gone too long. Now his legacy, in most people's eyes, has been completely soured uh, by the knockouts against Cleverly and Lebedev and Danny Green and fucking the stinker against B-Hop, the fucking Trinidad fight, the Jeff Lacey. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... Trinidad's um, frigging hell. I forgot about that. Yeah, he could if he'd have retired then, he would have probably gone down as the greatest ever. Didn't you refuse to watch that fight on principle, Steve? Yeah, I think I did, actually, yeah. Sounds like something I would do. I'm a man of great principles. Trey those last feet, was it? Yeah, he's, he's, Someone he's, says Trini he's blowing his money, yeah? Mm. Yeah, he's banging up there, eh? Yeah, he was one hell of a fighter. Lee the alcoholic frotch says if he retired after the first Tarver fight, talking about Roy Jones, he'd be more revered than Floyd is currently. So he's thinking along the same lines as Rob Kelly. Um, us of a certain vintage, it's hard to explain. Jones was just the man at the time. You know, he really was uh, the he's man. A freak. Talking at yeah, he was, he was so athletic, wasn't he? He was, he was so talented. Absolutely incredible. I mean, the way he played basketball, he's a natural athlete, you know, technically... Training Eubank now, is he not? Training Eubank Jr. Yeah, well, apparently so, yeah. Eubank stuck at his farm at Pensacola and that, aye. I was talking he played about a it, basketball aye. match the morning he defended against Eric Lucas, didn't he? Yep. <laughs> Guys, he was just a, a freak athlete. Obviously, as Rob says, there might be question marks and that, but there was about these fighters back in the 90s, even across all sports, but, you know... I, just uh, athletic phenom. It was just all he was, man. He was just incredible. Hands behind the back, and then he just swung a right hook, and you know the guy was knocked out. You know who was the guy? His ribs broke. Remember? I always maintained that one of my most famous knockouts Virgil of all Hill. time. Who's that? Virgil Hill with the left left hand to the body, and it sounded like a fucking cannon. That one. Ah, uh, did he not break his ribs or something like that? Yeah, I think so. He's crawling on the on the deck after that one. Aye, there was one actually. There was one of the greatest knockouts I've ever seen. Actually, was uh, he almost like bent the guy over uh, with, his, with his right leg, and I'm I can't I'm trying to think off the top of my head as to who it was again. I think it might have been um, the guy with the big eyes, isn't it? I remember he, popping out of his head when he hits the deck. Yeah. One of the it wasn't the punching postman, was it Tony Thornton? No, I can't remember if it was Tony Thornton. I remember him knocking out Glenn Kelly, the Aussie, with the hands behind the back on the ropes. Do you remember? Ah, I remember that, that one. That's fine. the one I. And then they obviously the the, the left hook it broke the rib. But there was one actually. It was one. Was it, wasn't it Richard Hall? It was an. It was an. It was an early knockout. I think it was. But anyway, he just he, he fucking. We talked about it before, definitely. Yeah, I was one like what, talking about one of the favourite knockouts of all time, and he fucking he drilled this kind of sort of cod. Not a section, but he's like it was looked like the guy with his back leg as to how he folded. It was like at any moment that fucking knee was going to bend, and somehow he just went right over. It was, oh, it was oh, it's bugging me now. Who's who that was? Have a think, Andy Waller bringing Adam Smido Smith because we need to get some Smido action. They're absolutely going mad in the chat for Smido here. Are you, Adam? I'm not bad. I'm thank you very much. Um, I'm glad you're talking about Roy Jones, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I've got a bit of it's before my time. That's the first and foremost. It was bef it was before my time, and by the time I got into it, around the Ricky Atten era, Jones was already past it and being knocked out by people that he shouldn't be getting knocked out by. But I've got a bit of a warped view of him, really. I've I've mentioned on the pod before in regards to you know drug drug and it kind of just like 
you know, wipes his achievements away. But I think I've got to review that really and, and consider that, you know, basically everyone was and still is at it in regards to the juicing. So I kind of need to put that to one side. Um, I've not watched many of his fights in full, but we've all seen the the highlight videos and I'm no different. And he looked an absolute sensation. And I'm just, it was just good to be listening to you guys describing, you know, just how good he was before the... The, the long deterioration uh, period started um you know most and that was really only when i came into it i remember the danny green he went to australia and got knocked out by danny green you yeah. know that was the kind of time when i was first kind of introduced to him and it was way too late um to to be honest um in terms of his his, his earlier talent so yeah it just kind of hammers home the the, the the drug thing i think that you know our part roy jones has career and him as a, a man just to to one side completely because the the drugs thing was you know so obvious or pr- prominent or proven whatever you want to call it but yeah if you revise that and and assume you know that everyone was at it and everyone's still at it um i think you can i think you can take a better view and that, and that's what i need to do um you know even last week you know i was talking to rob about i was watching the um holyfield and tyson i watched them those two fights um in full, I mean, Holyfield was on some goddamn juice then. Do you know what I mean? And and Holyfield doesn't get brushed by that same, uh, you know, tar by the same brush quite to the extent that Jones does in terms of the drugs. I tell um, you what, so yeah, Jones, like I don't know, there is there is an argument. We said Mackie Shieldstone was involved, right? And Mackie Shieldstone helped him put on the weight, but Mackie Shieldstone also worked with Michael Spinks to help him move up from light heavy to heavy to fight Larry Holmes in the eighties. Now I highly doubt in 84, 85, that there was life use of heads, so this guy was good at put, getting weight onto, onto light guys and having them keep their attributes with his athletic fucking training and stuff, so you, you might be able to give him the benefit of the doubt and the fact that he got popped for something that you get over the counter, I think, wasn't it? You only ever got caught for like um, uh, something that you find in a supplement, like a riptide or something like that, I'm not sure what it was called, but um, and he admitted he didn't know what the fuck was in it when he was taking it. So I don't know. We because he's so great, I kind of get end up, end up being biased. If he was a shit fighter, I'd fucking put him in the in the. I condemn him, uh, I f- but it's hard to know. I found that knockout. I was talking a bit of Roy Jones, so it was the Art Sir Sarwano knockout. It was the first round knockout. It was well before he fought Hopkins the first time. And even uh, in fact, I by the time I was, I was it was before the first Hopkins fight back in nineteen ninety two. Wow. Arsarwano against Roy Jones. What a fucking knockout it was. And he's cleared that one Probably up, Smido. his career, actually. Yeah. No, Smido, you're right to go back and have a look at it because uh, the, the Hopkins fight isn't a great fight, actually. Tony has its periods where it's a bit boring as well, but it's just the, the little moments, the way he broke down Clinton Woods, obviously knocking out Glenn Kelly and all that type of stuff. But what I will ask you, Smido, we've asked the guys coming on early and uh, we'll ask you the same thing. You're not much of a, a drinker, Smido, but we are in the Friday lock-in. What's your tipple of choice? Oh, tonight, I can tell you exactly. Um, just finished um, uh, my third pint of Old Mount Cider, um, a new flavour, pineapple and raspberry. Now, I know that that might be... You deserve to get a shit for that. It's, yeah, it's not quite as, uh, you know, hardcore as the stuff that, that, that um, Andy or Rob may well drink, but I'm a terrible drinker, absolutely terrible. I know that flavoured cider, um, you know, sides on the female variety. The stereotype in there. Associate with people. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to admit it, really. <laughs> um, I'm happy to admit it that I drink... Um, 
that uh, like I drink. A, you drink the, like uh, a minge, basically. Flavored cider, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine with me. No problem. I mean, you've got to remember, I went nearly two years without having a drink at all a couple of years ago. So I don't need drinking my life to have a good time. Oh, so you're a midlife crisis when you're 25, basically. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Here, Smith, the other thing we were asking was if you could pick a boxer or a boxing personality, living or dead, to pull up a bar stool next to you and have a couple of beers with, who would you go with? We've had Glenn McCrory thrown in, uh, Roberto Duran, Ricky Hatton. Who do you reckon? Oh, God. Um... And Flores is a swally, by the way. Well, well, uh, well I depends, would say that I've, you know, I've, that's that's not a dream um, to to share some time with with Kofroch. That's a, that's already been a reality. So that that wouldn't be the answer to this question on this occasion. Um, oh God, who would it be? Um, Dennis well, Hobson. me a bit on the hot there, Steve. To be honest, um, Paul yeah, Dennis Hobson. Um, uh, uh, Golovkin. Yeah, maybe Golovkin. I bet he's got some stories to tell. Kovalev. What about Kovalev? Come on. Canelo. Oh, but, uh, but, listen, <laughs> Google Smid, Translate on the phone. <laughs> Smid, you're drinking old Mount Cider, brain damage, and fucking Kovalev drink straight <laughs> vodka. Right? Think about this for a second, though. Remember that thing you found me and Tommy in the hotel in Oldham? Smashed out our faces in the reception. Which you look, you look through the yeah, window like did, some did, people, did. Tommy, like, ah, I'm like, who's that cunt? I said, that's fucking Smiddle. So that's fucking smashed at my brains, man. The first time, the first I've told this story before. The first time I met Tommy was on a Friday night before the Frampton fight, and then I sort of met you up again on the Saturday. And Tommy could not remember meeting me less than 12, 13 hours previous. Yep. Could not remember. We were That's how memorable I am. It was an eighteen-hour session that day, by the way. Eighteen hours from Glasgow to fucking Manchester to weigh-ins to IFL interviews to fucking I kind of mind I remember we got go to bed this night and woke up in the middle of the night it was a fucking pizza line in the middle of the fucking flare I don't know how it got there <laughs> the boys in the chat Andy are throwing in a few here Manny Stewart uh, Chris Eubank Senior Bob Aram that's a good shout Don King if he would answer honestly well I think that's <laughs> ruled, that, ruled that one out Bert Sugar as well so yeah a few, a few of the boys being thrown in there Yeah. on this uh, where are we again on Friday evening aren't we lock on lockdown on lock in uh, Aussie's here, Gabe's here, Hey to Dave, Smido, Rapping Rob Kelly, and Andy as well, alongside me. Steve, we're going to start wrapping up soon. Anything else anybody wants to throw in before we go into the championship rounds and call it a night? We will be back on Sunday, of course, for the usual two hours. A couple of guests lined up already. Uh, hopefully things will go a bit better than last week. Anything you want to throw in, Andy? Any fights to keep an eye on? I know you, you put something in the private chat there. I'm just having a look now, actually. Yeah, just like worst world champions all the time, I could rhyme off some names for you, but just talking about fights and stuff, I just I was reminding myself, just digging up some of the old hard drives, the old fights I've got on that. I came across the Ed and Valero career set that I've got saved and that, so I'm looking through them. I've uploaded them to YouTube, and uh, I actually forgot about this fight, actually, right, when he fought, when he became world champion for the first time against Vicento uh, Mosquera. Mm, what right, yeah. a mm. fucking fight that was by him. Put I've, down, didn't they, by Mosquera? I got put down in the third round. Notice that though, mate. He got fucking badly hurt twice, visibly, in the first round. Then dropped Mosquera in the first round as well. As I'm saying myself, "Mm, just it's about hindsight now. But I forgot about this fight. I'm watching it. I'm saying myself, "Fucking hell, this is a real gut check for him because he got hit low, could could have bailed, took the knee, and he got back into it. And in the end, man, 
No, but about seven, eight, nine, and ten, he was beating the fucking living shit out of Mosquera to the point that Mosquera pulled the same face that DeMarco pulled the night that he got pulled out as well. And Mosquera never fought again for about five or six years after the Valero fight. And it says, to me, that was that was a gut check, and it was in Panama and Mosquera's backyard, and everything's against him. He's getting booed, and every punch that's getting landed against him, it's fucking uproars, just like everything else. And he just remains calm and just does what he does best, lets the punches go. And he's, he was never off that fight. He was never a one punch knockout artist, but the punches just ripped. And ripped and ripped and just took bits off you, just chipped away at you. And in the end, man, if he didn't fucking yield, he quit. And you know, I mean, yield during the fight, but if he didn't yield during then, as soon as you got to the corner, you're like, nah, can't do it anymore. The guy was just that much a savage, man. He just kept going. And I really think he was one of those fighters that you had to fucking beat him. You need to drum him at the fucking floor because I saw him, as I say, twice get badly hurt in that first round and he somehow just kept it going. You could see it in the fight too, that he was struggling, he was backing off and finding moments he was really struggling, he couldn't keep up with the pace and stuff, but fucking hell, he, he dug it out in the end and as I mentioned last week, it was a question of what if would have happened if he kept going, you know? Absolutely, good recommendations from Andy there as always. We're going to start to close up then, Ozzy, now anything you want to mention in closing, anything you want to bring up, any fights that you've been watching or you recommend the listeners to watch, anything at all, throw it in now please, Ozzy. Negative. Nothing for Mozzie. Negative is the word. Gabe, no negativity from you. What have you been watching this week? Anything you want to recommend to the listeners? Anything you want to bring up? Oh, I want to give you some negativity. These cop, the, the, the footage I've been seeing out of the UK, the police, like, treating you all like serfs in a fucking police state. Go home. You're not allowed to be right, walking around this park. Oh, Go and do one. You can't open your door. Like I saw, I saw a video of these like, five or six cops kicked down a dude's door. And he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, "Oh, we're just checking. We heard about a disturbance." And they just walk out with his door hanging off the hinges. Fuck the UK police, Dave. Dave, Dave are you you, you, you chewing on the, the underground? He's chewing on a fur burger, I think here. <laughs> I'm, I'm chewing on a bit of minge. Mm. Oh, there I go. <laughs> Is it, does it smell like an Arbro? Does it smell like, Dave? Does it, does it taste and smell like an Arbro fishing trawler? I'm sure if the, the, the CP or the British UK police were around, they'd, they'd say, I didn't have a license to be chewing on this minge. I want you to backfire on you. <laughs> Where'd you go from there? <laughs> How the hell am I supposed to follow that up? Steve, I'll be the end of the show before we get another ban for sexual nudity content okay. again, by the way. We're on StreamYard, paid for the year, and then we get kicked off because of him. <laughs> Fucking first night, we get kicked off and banned. <laughs> <laughs> just paid $25. Gabe, <laughs> it's the sound of the police, Dave. It's the sound of the beast. Forget about them. Forget about Dave. Uh, whatever the original question was, go ahead. I'll be watching you. Uh, uh, oh yeah, what have we been? <laughs> uh, what have I been watching, huh? Uh, let's see. Um, I've been revisiting uh, 
Mikkel Kessler. Uh, watched. Um, I never was able to find a good copy of his fight with. Uh, Oh, what was that that Mexican guy that he fought? Uh, connect, uh, God Almighty, Kessler. He he fought. Um, oh, what was saying? What was the question, Gil? I'm a big Kessler fan. I might be able to help you here. He fought a Mexican guy on an HBO card. Uh, um, Andrade. Yeah, Librado Andrade. And, Fucked him up, uh, beat show him. Oh yeah, he pummeled his ass. But I've never been able to find a good copy. Finally, found a, a really good copy of that fight. I've got so, one without without um, it cuts out with commentary halfway through it. If you want that one, it's in HD. Hey, that'd be fucking sweet, man. The one I have is SD, but it's actually like the most watchable copy I've ever seen. So you know that caused me to stir up and and revisit uh, Michael Kessler. Um, I've been working on. I've been working on putting together a a collection for uh, Junior Jones. Um, I always enjoyed watching Junior Jones, so that was another one that I've been working on recently, trying to find some more of his stuff. And then um, I think there was something else that I'd been looking for. Uh, shit, I can't remember what it was. There was something else I was looking for. And I stumbled across quite a bit of other stuff. Um, uh, oh. Valoria. Brian Valoria. I actually found a good stash of uh, Valoria fights. So I have quite a few of them. Um, and, you know, he's not probably anywhere near my all-time favorites. But I enjoy watching the guy. And um, so I got some of his stuff. And then that kind of that kind of spurred me on to um, oh the little Puerto Rican guy uh, uh, God I can't think of anybody's fucking name today. Too much swally. That's what's happening. Too much of that Texas fucking rattlesnake juice you're drinking. I guess I I don't know what my deal is. I can't think of anything today. Um, he fought. He fought uh, Moises Fuentes. I think very, very last fight of his career. Uh, he fought uh, Giovanni Segura, um, Calderon, Ivan Calderon. Uh, yeah, I got a good load of stuff from him too. So, um, really, I guess been watching quite a few lower weight guys. Uh, came across a few Emmanuel Augusta spots that I hadn't seen before too. So that was a plus. Always a big fan of of, of Emmanuel. Augustus or Burton or whatever the fuck it is you want to call him, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just enjoying some some old stuff. Okay, thank you, Gabriel. Yeah, there's a few slight buffering issues with YouTube at the moment. Not really sure what's going on there. We are trying out StreamYard tonight. It could be bandwidth. They did say earlier there was going to be bandwidth problems and whatever, so we'll keep an eye on that. Rapping Rob Kelly, we'll keep an eye on you as well out in the mean streets or stuck at home, in fact, locked down. Anything you want to leave the listeners with, Rob? A little bit, impart some knowledge, perhaps? Hello, hello. Rapping Rob Kelly, are you with us? Hello, hello. I am, I am, I am. <laughs> We're going to get emailed at nine in a row now this week. I'll be fucking angry. <laughs> <laughs> Quite faint there, Roberto. Sorry, man. I don't know. This I'm having a bit of a mirror there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Just about. Yeah, go ahead. 
Um, I've been watching last night. I watched uh, the two Breland and Starling fights. You know, I love a bit of eighties welterweight action. Uh, what can you say? Like with two, I didn't know some stuff I picked up in the commentary. Yeah, well, I kind of probably knew it over the years. I was young when I was watching it. Um, Breland was touted as like one of the greatest amateurs ever. He'd only he'd a hundred amateur fights and lost one. And the guy that beat him as an amateur, he destroyed him as a pro in two rounds. Uh, legendary trainers. We got Lou Dover in one corner. Eddie Fuchs, he said about Marlon Starling before that he was as good as um, he could have hung in the era of, of Robinson and all the on all the top welterweights. So it was high praise from Eddie Fuchs. But it's just interesting to see Starling defuse Mark Breland, who was undefeated, Olympic gold medalist, and the greatest ever team. Beef Starling. Rob, Rob, sorry to cut you off in your prime, dude, but we're really struggling to hear you here. All right, look, 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 just leave, we'll leave it for tonight, sir. Oh, you improved at the end, but maybe it was too little too late. That's okay. Thanks, Rob. Uh, we'll add in Smido just finally to give his point of view. Smido, we're just asking. You're, you're hardcore. We want to know the hardcore's choice for <laughs> fights to watch this week. Oh, um, I've not really thought about it. Um, Lomachenko Lenores was on my list. Um, I was thinking a bit of uh, Donair to watch. Um, but yeah, I've not really, I've, I'll be honest, I've not really got a plan for boxing this week. No problem, Smido. That will do it for tonight. Thanks to everybody who's jumped on. Ozzy Smith was here. Hey to Dave Lowback. Gabe Lewis, Andy Patterson, Rapping Rob Kelly and Adam Smido-Smith. Just been trying things out tonight. A little Friday lock-in to see how StreamYard works. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of hits, a couple of misses as well. People often ask us why you're not back on YouTube. It's not always as clear-cut as you think. Uh, StreamYard has been good tonight, actually. There are panel member restrictions, though, which we've, we, we've met with tonight. We've had to move people around. You're only allowed six at, at any time. Also, the post-pod download appears to be quite slow, so that might affect the iTunes, the Patreon feed uploads. So it swings and roundabouts, like we've been on Mixler. It's gone well, but it, it has, we haven't come over here for any reason. You know, there's, there's hits and misses with all these platforms is the, is the message I'm trying to get across to you. As of now, MB was asking earlier, I believe we'll be back in StreamYard on Sunday evening. Unless something catastrophic happens, we will be back here on Sunday evening. But like I say, there's going to be things that's going to be give and take. Maybe the iTunes feed, the Patreon feed will be that bit slower Due to StreamYard, we don't know. We'll try to work through these issues for you. Thanks to the guys for coming on. I've been Steve Wellings. We will end the broadcast right now and catch you all on Sunday at 8 o'clock. Uh, see you all then. Bye. Pat Smith. Peace. Wankers. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.